0: I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this is Inside Kurdistan. This is the second interview I got from a director at the Dohuk International Film Festival, and the reason I chose to focus on this film, uh, which is called A Marvel Travelogue by director Sean Wang, is because it has seemingly very little to do with Kurdistan. Uh, the documentary's premise is actually very simple. It takes a very unobtrusive approach to the growing economic phenomenon of China's demand for marble, specifically sourced uh, from Greece. And the viewer begins in Greece as the marble is mined and then shipped to China, where it is used for all sorts of different goods, ranging from hugely ambitious architectural projects in cities, uh, Meant to mimic iconic sites and buildings in Western society, all the way to little magnets that are then sold and used in tourist shops in popular countries all around the world, Uh, perhaps most ironically, Greece. Uh, And along the way, we pick up on themes such as the perceived status of Western versus Eastern power and how that. Status is simultaneously undermined and propped up by this globalized industrial system that serves as a backdrop, not just for this film, but the world that we all coexist in today. And this system may be shown through the supply and demand of marble. uh, But there's all sorts of parallels that can be drawn to the current economic status of Kurdistan, which is a region whose natural resources and economic viability is very much in the hands of its neighbors. And I was thrilled to hear that after uh, Sean and I's brief chat, uh, this documentary won the Best International Documentary Award at the festival just a couple of days later, which was very well-earned, in my opinion. So congratulations, Sean. And uh, here's our conversation. Okay, so I literally just finished your film. Hmm. Uh, I was watching it in the lobby uh, right as you came oh. in. The like, credits were rolling. Oh, oh.
1: Yeah. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, so it's perfect timing. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, so <laughs> I guess my opening question is. Um, uh, why are you here? <laughs> because there are a lot of films that indirectly connect, uh, and we can talk about that as we go on. Mm. But I want to—I want to hear your answer about why you think your film was selected for this film ah. festival. Uh,
1: the process of being selected is quite surprising, because mm. when I for informed through email by my sales agent, who mainly submit for uh, uh, to this festival of my film. Uh, I was pretty surprised first uh, I, because I've never been to, to be honest, I've never been to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I've only been to Turkey and uh, I was really surprised there's still an uh, International Film Festival in Iraq being organized because I'm so, I was so ignorant about the situation in mm. South Kurdistan. Um, uh, I, thi- I think the reason they selected the, my film, A Marvel Marble it's true that it, don't, it doesn't directly relate it to the most urgent issues uh, in Kurdistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a film uh, panor- um, uh, comprehensively described the geopolitical and cultural relationship between Europe and China. So it's not a film that's not uh, that domestic. Um, it's a film about some big issues that related to everybody. Um, and also, I was in the Bazaar, Du Duhok Bazaar, mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, it's not surprise that all, most of the things sold there, the, the shoes, uh, phones... Magnets. Magnets, <laughs> uh, the amount all made in China, for right. sure. So in... Uh, Almost all the countries, especially uh, like Middle East or Africa or Southeast Asia, uh, Chinese made things are everywhere. And so I think this film which depicts how Chinese manufacturing power changed the world uh, related to uh, the people's life here. So I don't know, I'm not the the programmer, but uh, that's my guess.
0: That would be my guess, too. Mm. Uh, I, what I love is the, the use of marble as a storytelling device. You don't have many interviews. I mean, you do, but they're very sparse. They're not, it's not one long monologue all mm. the way through. Mm. You let sometimes a shot for 30 or 40 seconds just sit there. The camera doesn't move that much, and you can just yep. kind of take in. Yep. Uh, actually, I'm curious why that was your aesthetic choice for shooting. Is, mm. is that just how you prefer to shoot, or was there something connected with the idea of marble just yes. sitting
1: there? Yes, yeah, a very good question. Um, in the during the research stage of uh, of the uh, of the project, uh, I take I took a camera with just an assistant, and during that process, I gradually um, explore, discover the proper way to film this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the main pre- principles can be concluded into uh, a sentence that we would like to let the whole film in the same breath with marble. And uh, you know, marble is big, it's stone, it doesn't move, it, it do not Well, it, that, does <laughs> it does move. It does move be, because of human beings' uh, activities. So we usually put the camera on the tripod to create a static and um, passive and objective uh, way of feeling um, and this kind of static filling is i think in a kind of similar rhythm of the industrial spect- spectacles and uh, the object uh, uh, and the objectives Mm -hmm. But we do let the camera move by putting the camera on vehicle or uh, ferry Mm -hmm. or other kind of uh, moving things which could act as an important rule to let the marble move. So, yeah, in conclusion, it is uh, our principle to... uh, to let the camera working like, uh, not in a, from a point of view of individual with handy shots. It's more from um, in a point of view of um, the, the objective. Mm. Yeah. Well, you have a
0: lot of objectives in this film. Yeah, in because you, have, you explore every single, I'd say every single 15 minute uh, block if you will, uh, to use rock terms. Uh, would be a different narrative explored. Mm. So I'll tell you, my favorite shot of the film was actually the shot of the girl, the paint, uh, the girl's shirt in the wind blowing, mm-hmm. and then it pulls out and it doesn't move at all, and you can just hear uh, the automated machine go, "Thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you," mm-hmm. as everything's being processed, mm. and then you can see a plane. Mm. fly west yeah, uh, <laughs> in the very background of the film. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're basically combining the 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 theme of, uh, or the, the point about child labor being used uh, to mm. process this uh, with the overall sort of industrialization and rapid uh, uh, demand of this product. Mm. And then <laughs> at the very last moment, you see the airplane go across the sky. Mm. You're, you're taking three different themes mm. and putting it into one shot, and the mm. camera doesn't move at all. Mm. Can you tell me how the idea of, of not presenting any dialogue or mm-hmm. any movement mm-hmm. uh, can allow you to tell a story more effectively uh, mm-hmm. and allow you to explore different things in different ways? Is that a thing that you've had to work at as a filmmaker? or
1: um, I think another logic of the film is we try to provide a special angle to observe the world, mm-hmm. especially the globalization phenomenon, through... Uh, uh, without using human being, individual as the only measurement we try to provide some details much smaller than individual or big order or big uh, spectacles way larger than individual Uh, so we rely on small uh, materials but also very, very spectacular uh, landscape. So this is, uh, I think, another logic of the film. Uh, I think the reason why we decide to do that first, personally, I think it's a way to carry my uh, bizarre fetishism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it's, um, it's a kind of tendency I gradually discover from my personality through developing of this film okay. specifically. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's my special way of thinking compared to, for example, a lot of friends around me in China mm-hmm. who are young filmmakers who more rely on the mechanism of uh, building up uh, uh, sympathy mm-hmm. and uh, empathy uh, to let uh, audiences go into their story. But for me, uh, I at least in the last several years during the uh, filmmaking of this film, uh, I would like to choose uh, the way, like what uh, the Russian uh, documentary director Viktor Kosakovsky said, a uh, film, sometimes it's already enough to be a good film, just to provide a very special angle for audiences to, to, to Observe the world, so that is what uh, I'm interested the most uh, during the film uh, filmmaking.
0: I wanted to actually explore um, the use of, of marble as the theme, because uh, marble. Uh, that my takeaway was that marble is sort of the symbol of power, and there's that one quote uh, uh, from the stone cutter, the expert uh, who who used to work in America and now he works in China because the labor uh, uh, the labor regulations are, are looser. Um, and there's a very telling quote of uh, it used to be Greece and then uh, sort of wider Europe, France started using marble and then America copied them and now it's being copied by China, this transfer of power and marble being sort of the symbol for that. Is that why you were so drawn to marble specifically or or where does that fascination come from?
1: Hmm. I think first uh, the uh, reason why I chose marble First practically because during the filming of my first film, I coincidentally with a a marble quarry in Greece Uh with a Chinese businessman. So these provide me access to go into this industry and let me to do more research about the whole uh, order of uh, this specific economy. Uh, but it's true that the reason why I decide to develop a feature lens documentary uh, through marble it is because marble is a mater- material but in our history we have already construct so many uh, cultural subtext on this nature of things. like uh, the type of white marble being shot in this film is exactly a very similar one being used by the ancient greek to build all those uh, ancient wonders Um, but also in recently especially in the middle east and in east asia uh, marble has been um, incorporated in the local context as a kind of symbol of uh, social state uh, statues of um, um uh, middle class or uh, successful people mm-hmm. of what you said power, yes, power of
0: Western power,
1: yeah, Western class, yes. Western, uh, how to say, uh,
0: empirical power, if you will, <laughs>
1: yeah, like uh, 19th century Western power, um, but in a very mismatching way because that's a this kind of classical Renaissance kind of architectural sculpture It's the one that. I think most of the westerners doesn't, uh, won't reproduce anymore, mm. and they do. Uh, they they choose more modernism or uh, contemporary uh, aesthetics. But uh, the the most of the plays that are still into this kind of style a little bit outdated, or already been uh, how to say corrected. Mm. Uh, is uh, those places uh, which are not so uh, uh, belong to the Western world um, and, uh, so so that's why I think that marble as a material naturally have a lot of uh, deeper potential than just bring a superficial or visual uh, um, sensation to audiences
0: well and to bring it Back to Kurdistan uh, because I live in Erbil. I don't know if you've gotten to visit Erbil no, uh, during not your trip. Erbil, I don't know what people have told you, uh, but Erbil has this kind of interesting uh, layout because there are very old neighborhoods in Erbil. I mean, they have in the center of the city you have the citadel, uh, and then you have areas like where I live, uh, which is this kind of astroturfed. Um, business park situation with a high-rise with a big stupid neon lights that, you know, mm. Westerners like me live in and they they're all mashed together in this sort of clumsy way mm. and it's it's kind of <clears throat> That's what I was thinking of like for example when and you see all of these fake uh, Not fake they're they're modified as, as you said they're they're the aesthetics are copied mm. uh, and so there's this copycat uh, uh, culture of any city that has development, any place that's developing. Mm. The idea is that development can't be original. It has to be taken from something. Mm.
1: Uh, uh, from my very limited observation in Duhok, I mm. find that the situation in terms of economic development here, for me, reminds me of this condition in 90s and early 2000s of China. And that is the time that Chinese people gradually uh, began to uh, appropriate these Western classic uh, things from their imagination as a proof of their economic power or their uh, better life. And I guess maybe in the future, because right now, you know, in recent years, Chinese economy doesn't grow as fast as before. Mm -hmm. We also will experience this kind of decline that other countries have developed experience like Italy or Mm -hmm. Japan. So definitely no matter the manufacturing of marble based product or the market of marble will transit into I think other places of the world for sure. Like a lot of other industries, like clothes making, like uh, uh, cheap uh, commodities making is already partly transit to Southeast Asia. It's still in process and it is uh, for me one of the most important phenomenon happening right now in our world. So I presume that marble industry will also or a souvenir uh, manufacturing industry will also uh, experience this same kind of process. It's like this um, consecutive uh, succession mm. of uh, markets and the um, uh, uh, factory of war world uh, is a little bit similar to the um, succession, like what you said, of the ho- ho- hegemony mm. uh, uh, in terms of geopolitics, economy between different uh, empires or uh, countries. Okay,
0: so uh, we're gonna have to wrap this up because you have to get on a bus. Yeah. But uh, before we go, I would like to hear one recommendation of a film you have seen here that you would like to recommend that ah, recommend okay. to people, and a film that is not at this film festival that you've seen this year that you would like this to recommend. Year, right? Well. Yes.
1: Uh, okay. Do you have a catalog? <laughs> I, I forget. I, I do know the. I do know Who's a there? film, but but you know, I forget the name. It's um, oh, I have. I have it on my phone. Um. The film, one of the film I would like to recommend uh, that I saw in this uh, film festival is called Rojak in its original title, I guess in Kurdish and uh, the English name is One Day. Mm. Uh, It's a film that's world premiere in Visum Duril in Switzerland, it's uh, one of my favorite documentary film festivals in the world. It's a film about the uh, uh, interviews uh, of former ISIS members mm. combined with cinematic landscapes and spe- spectacles the director and cinematographer captured uh, in Kurdistan.
0: Long shots with the still camera.
1: Uh long shot, but uh, with the slow movement, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> but, but actually, it's a kind of film I feel that the mentality behind the camera resonates with mine, so, right. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm pretty selfish <laughs> to it, recommend got it, got it. this one. No, no, it yeah. makes I, sense. And another film I thought this year that I can recommend is another documentary, by uh, the Ukrainian famous film master uh, Loznitsa, uh, it's called the natural history of destruction. The
0: natural history of destruction. The
1: natural history of destruction. It's a yeah, uh, great title. Yeah, it's a film. Uh, it's a film use archives uh, during the bombardment by allies to the German uh, territory, German cities during the Second World War, uh-huh. and it's been uh, added in a very poetic but also sensational way together with the great sound design, great a super cognitively um, th- thrilling um, feeling to the audiences.
0: We didn't even get to talk about your sound editing, but that was also fantastic in the film. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs>
1: thank you.
0: But Sean Wang, thank you so much. You have a bus to catch. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. thank you. I appreciate your
1: time. Uh, yeah, sorry for the very short No, no, it's uh, okay. I'd
0: like to thank Sean Wang once again for taking some time at the festival to talk with me. I'm providing links to his own website below as well as a link to the trailer for a Marvel travelogue. Inside Kurdistan is brought to you by the Kurdistan Information Network. You can check out our podcast on KurdistanIn.net. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at info at KurdistanIn.net. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Aaron Weintraub, and this has been Inside Kurdistan.